Renegade Broadcasting. Hard-hitting talk radio. Welcome to the Heathen Hunt here. Charlie is not able to do the show again here tonight, this week. He ought to be back with a show tomorrow night. But since Heathen Vegan and I decide to step up to the table, you'll get at least an hour of radio from us here tonight. Heathen Vegan, thanks for doing this on short notice. No, you're welcome. It's good to be here, as always. Yeah, it's always good to have a conversation with you. I always learn something. I always feel like... We get to, we discuss some important topics, and they're oftentimes much more interesting than some of the current events type conversations that I get to have. So, one of the things that has been very hmm, pressing recently is the censorship that has ramped up. And I'm not just talking about InfoWars and Alex Jones. I think they've actually benefited a great deal from this because they're driving all of these people over to Infowars with all the excessive media coverage. And Alex Jones is not calling out the people who are actively censoring these platforms. This guy who's a conspiracy theorist, who's well known as, you know, making up these conspiracy theories gets kicked off of all of these different platforms on the exact same day. Now, these companies are supposed to not be working with each other. There's, there is not this kind of Silicon Valley trust. So there's not supposed to be a monopoly operating out there, but they had all, even though they're supposedly fighting with each other for market share, they had collaborate, collaborated so that on the same day, the the ban hammer came down on Alex Jones. You've got the, the various outlets, such as YouTube and Facebook, and uh, other Google platforms, maybe Google Plus, who knows? You've got uh, the, I think, I'm not sure if he got kicked off Twitter yet. I don't know if that was part of it. But all of these all of these big companies, he's removed from Apple. That was the, the big story that first broke. These companies are all partnered with the ADL now, the Anti-Defamation League. And the Anti-Defamation League is this foreign body operating within the United States, subverting us from within, uh, that is now the international Jew. They are, they are proving the conspiracy theories about them correct because they are the ultimate thought police now. They are the arbiters. They have the final say. And if you go against them, if you say that Jews have too much power, well, that they will use that Jewish power that they will are claiming that they don't have and that you're just a nutso conspiracy theorist. They'll use that power to shut you down, shut you up, shut down your financial freedom, take away your crowdfunding sources, do whatever they can. They took away uh, my Patreon. They took away Spreadshirt. They took away PayPal. They took away a number of things over the years. But we continue onward. And just today, just today, a few hours before we went on air, they took away my Twitter account for the second time. And I'm not going back on there. But what do you have to say about all of this ramped up censorship and the PSYOP that is Alex Jones? Well, I I had a look at it. Uh, you sent some videos because I've been out of the loop a little bit because I've been a bit busy lately. But uh, so I had a look at those uh, videos you sent me in the, an email about a few hours ago. 
And it was, I mean, they're the same old talk, you know, the same old uh, get behind us, we're, this is a fight for free speech, blah, blah, blah. Again, all of this. And I, I just wanted to say, watching the video, something I wanted to mention was uh, when he talks about whites, I don't know if you caught this, uh, Carl, about how whites shouldn't exist and whites, he used the word extincted. It's not actually a word, instead of genocide. Uh, did you catch that? I don't know if you... Yes. Yes, whites need to be extincted. He was referencing, <laughs> I mean, the over-the-top rhetoric, and it is over-the-top, especially with this recent hiring by the New York Times of this editor, this Asian woman, who was just saying the most vile things you can imagine uh, against yeah. white people, which I've covered, everybody's covered, everybody knows about it now, which makes me think it was a design psyop from the beginning, that yeah. these, th- these things are related, and it's not just, you know, a coincidence, well, you get the same, like on Twitter. I, I saw a bit about that on Twitter when I, I logged on every now and again, and uh, you were seeing the same talking points. They're allowed to say it, we're not allowed to say it. Now, highlighting the contradiction, I've got no problem with. You know, uh, I do it often. But then what you hear is you get this, well, they should be banned, right? So instead of saying we should, you know, the, we get into this idea where we're, we're being, they're saying we shouldn't do something, Um. Then somebody else does it. Then we're and rather than just bringing up the the hypocrisy of the situation, we're demanding that they get sacked. Well, then if they get sacked, then we get sacked. Do you well, get me? It's kind yeah. of there's also, yeah, there's, there's, there's also the other argument, which is that well, where is free speech? We need to ensure that free speech reigns reigns supreme. Yeah. So we need big government. We do need to trust the United States government. And getting involved with social media, overseeing everything. If there is not a problem, reaction, solution to, uh, playing out for you, I mean, it's, it could be a more clear-cut case here, what, we, what we're seeing, where the arguments are either ban everybody or let's get the United States government, which is, has worked with the ADL and the SPLC in an official fashion for, you know, over the years, has funded La Raza. Yeah. Let's get them involved, and then things will turn around for pro-white opinions. Yeah, anti-Jewish um, ones. Yeah, okay. Well, all these the, gov- the the same government is passing all these laws against anti-Semitism, and you can't boycott Israel. Yeah, and it's a liberal world order, according to uh, um, Henrik. By the way, it's a liberal world order. The liberal, yeah, the lefty. I mean, both the the videos sent me was one from Red Ice and one from uh, uh, it was Alex Jones, yeah. blubbering on. And it was both the liberal world order, the hard leftists, they're in control of the government. But although their man Trump is in the government now, but uh, it gets to one of those confusing things where... Well, that's why you have the deep state. Um, it's the loony deep lefty state. deep state. Yeah. And obviously everybody's t- saying we've got to get in these big platforms and say, we need to make Trump aware of this. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like it's nothing to do with it. <laughs> Trump doesn't know, even though didn't he give... Uh, Infowars a press card for the White House? Or didn't they get press Yeah, yeah I think that's what Jerome Corsi was uh, supposed to be up in Washington, D.C. for. And you yeah. know, Cernovich was in there. Yeah, and all sorts of people. <laughs> Cassandra yeah. I mean, Fairbanks. That was the biggest, like, uh, when Cernovich got a press pass, I knew we were going somewhere bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so. Real mindset. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the uh, other aspects of this PSYOP is. Trump had come out and say that they're censoring Republican voices, conservative voices. However it was phrased, that's the way it's being spun, that they're just censoring people who are on the right. Yet there are people on the right getting censored. That is is a correct statement. But a lot of this is about just steering the conversation away from what Jews are actively, openly doing, which is censoring anybody who criticizes them. That's why the ADL yes. is in there. And this is a kind of smokescreen that they've put up now that it's just left versus right when it's Jews yeah. who are telling us what we cannot uh, say. Yeah, and it stops us. I mean, I brought this up in some comments before, but the Palestinian argument is a very good example of this, where the right will say they're left. Uh, so, we, But we've both got the same problem, right? And we can never unite. So you have these... Hardcore left on that and hardcore right fighting the same enemy, but they can never unite because they have some kind of different ideology. Um, they, because nobody wants to, it just reinforces this left-white divide that's that's not really, it doesn't really exist in in, in, in the people. 
this is a political divide and it's something that's essentially made up to keep us apart. Uh, divide and conquer, basically. And they censor um, the well, hell out of Palestinians, and most of those Palestinians yeah. would not be defined as being on the right by really any standards. No. So it's really anybody that the Jews don't like. And sometimes yeah. it, I do think that it is done as part of a larger psychological operation, like it, what has taken mm-hmm. place with Infowars here now. I mean, just think about how much press has come out about Alex Jones and about Infowars. And really, it's driving all this traffic from platforms where he probably wasn't making all that much shekels, driving them right to his website itself. Yeah. And it is setting think, uh, a precedent of sorts by which... You know, other people get banned, and come on, me getting banned again from Twitter the day, you know a day or two after all of this, it really hits the news. It's it is part of a, a big campaign, and nobody's really going to think about it because these purges have happened time and time yeah. again. But now it, it, they're trying to make it seem like it's something that's just just happened. How many channels have we gone through on YouTube, especially Sinead? How many times have I been shut down by a number of different uh, companies in a number of different ways? You know, it's just – but no, but nobody really pays attention to that. But once it's Alex Jones who's getting shut down, you know, they put aside their differences. They say, you know, I don't agree with Alex Jones on everything, and you might, you might not like him. Yeah. But we've got to side with him on this issue of free speech. I, didn't yeah, I re- think uh, Henrik even said, you know, uh, if you haven't got the app yet, it's still up on these. Get it now. He's talking about the Alex Jones app here. I mean, he was talking, uh, I don't know what app it is, but something the way you get their feed. But, I mean, it's all about get it now. And it's, 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 it, I mean, it's clearly a, a psyop. Look at, like I said, the media coverage for me gives me all I need to know. When I look at a story, when I see things happening, when I see blow up in the media, they do not give attention to what they don't want you to see. I think uh, Gerhard Lauk, in, a, in an interview you did with him, he showed you just how, in the early days, when they give him negative attention, it only benefited him. It never did him any harm with his organisations. So when I see fit these things blow up, just like the alt-right did, just like that hit piece on Richard Spencer before anybody knew who Richard Spencer was, there's a hit piece that advertises his website, advertises his magazine um, on, I, I forget the show, but some woman, uh, lefty, Jewish lefty, attacked him. But nobody knew who he was. How much traffic did that drive to him? And like you said, the same with Alex Jones. Alex Jones has already been given a massive platform now with the endorsement, with the White House press pass and all of this. Now he's being censored. Come on. Now, I mean, what do you think about the, the part of this PSYOP being just to drive people, even voluntarily perhaps, away from Twitter and Facebook and a number of these other companies that have recently tanked? They lost 19% each on the same day. Again, talking about things being coordinated on the same day, you had... Tw- Twitter and Facebook both plunge. And of course, the Facebook plunge was in the wake of Zuckerberg's supposedly controversial comments about how he shouldn't ban anyone that questions the Holocaust. How absurd is it that people are just in an uproar because this this company owner was saying, and, and that it's all a sigh up, this guy is not your greatest ally. Mark Zuckerberg no. is not a bastion of free speech. We all know that. But this guy had come out and said, we can't just ban everybody who doesn't believe the six million figure. They're wrong, but they a lot of them are not doing are not wrong maliciously. They're, it's not they actually yeah. believe that that th- this is incorrect. So we can't just go around banning everybody. Now this could have been could have been a CEO trying to make sure that he still has a platform that's viable. Because I'll tell you what, if you get rid of people who are skeptical of the Holocaust, you're going to lose a huge user base. Because what, what were the figures that came out recently? That a third of millennials don't believe the 6 million figure? This was their own data. Yeah. And of course, they're, going, they're probably going to pump up these numbers. But I wouldn't be that surprised. Why? Because all of these young people are hooked up to the internet where the information is freely available. And this story is so damn absurd. They're distanced from it. Their parents are distanced from it as well. They did not go through the original trauma of World War II. And they yeah. see all of these damn lies. They see fakery going on everywhere. And they prob- some of them have seen Hellstorm. So they, they're getting it. And so 
for these companies to actually continue making real money off of their their user base, well, they need a user base, but they they also can't just censor the hell out of them. So it makes me think that perhaps Twitter and Facebook and, and perhaps some others we'll see coming up here will just lose a lot of credibility, lose a use uh, lose a lot of loser uh, losers <laughs> users, and I really think that this is kind of designed to happen because we were using their platforms even while getting banned and suspended quite a bit. People like us were using their platforms very effectively before any of these draconian measures came in, and they want us Mm -hmm. to be off them. If they can't get us all off them, if they can't stop the message, they'll just shut it down. They'll pull the the rug out from these companies. They've already made a lot of money. There's a lot of money that's been made from them. People will be compensated, and then there'll be no more. It's a controlled demolition, perhaps, what we're seeing, so that basically we don't have the opportunity to use enemy platforms against them. That's, I mean, that's a possibility here, because like you said, they've been around for a while now, Facebook and Twitter. It's a, in the, the, fast, the age of fast-moving uh, technology, et cetera, et cetera, They've probably had their day, right? So maybe some new platforms will come out with uh, very different uh, guidelines, very different rules, or very different setups. So, I mean, that's a possibility. But go and just go back to the Alex Jones, the or, Red Ice. Or ghettos. All... Or g- Gabi ghettos, right? Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. But uh, going, back, going back to the Alex Jones and uh, Henrik stuff, I mean, it's again drive. It's, it's very similar to the uh, Tommy Robinson thing here. There's a big hoo-ha. It drives all these disgruntled people that may may not even been aware of these platforms because you know not everybody is aware. A lot of people they're busy with their jobs. They don't get online as much as others, and you know. But it, this media attention drives them, drives these disgruntled, these unhappy people straight into these thinking that they're fighting the establishment. Right? They're the ones that are really fighting it. I mean, it's a massive psyop all around, but it it wouldn't surprise me if both all, all these platforms, especially Alex Jones, get way more way more attention from viewers. Like, say, end up earning way more off this than they could yeah. ever have lost. Yeah, I think what they're doing in the online space is that they're drawing the lines for this brewing civil war. I mean, the civil war is already taking place. You're seeing it spill into the streets. A lot of that involves agent provocateurs, but a lot of that is real as well. And there's a lot of, a whole lot of real anger and hatred amongst the American people, people who are American citizens, and also then the foreigners are here as well. There are a lot of angry people, and perhaps even yeah. uh, non-U.S. troops. They're doing training exercises all the time. So there are a lot of people who are active and inactive and lethargic combatants in this, whether they know it or not. Okay, so there are all these different fractures taking place. And now it's basically becoming official that Twitter and Facebook and uh, a number of these other places, YouTube, they are holding completely different standards for white people and non-whites and for people who are on the so-called left and on the so-called right. So they are putting in these dividing lines. And what that does is exactly what all of these commentators like – you know, the Mark Dices and the Red Ices and all these other people. What it does is it you get these gatekeepers who say, well, you've been closed off over there. You're welcomed in over where we have our, our encampments. You have to come on over here. They won't even let you in. But we've got our Breitbarts. We've got our InfoWars. We've got our Gab Eyes. We've got BitChute or whatever other uh, thing comes along. We've got all of these alternatives, so let's just stay in our ghettos. We can't even talk to those other people over there, even though that will end up including a lot of friends and family. It's a civil war that's taking place in the cyberspace. Yeah, and it it becomes an echo chamber. I mean, I understand why these platforms have to come about uh, or why the reasons. I do believe that genuine ones should come about, but it does become an echo chamber. And you're not really going to reach anybody else through them, but it's a good place to connect with people of like mine. But that's it. You're not, like you say, you're not challenging anybody on these platforms. But I mean, Twitter for the most part does that. Most people only talk within their own spheres or only heard. And with this shadow banning, if anybody puts in the hashtag that you've put in, it won't come up. Um, that's that's how the shadow banning works. With the, if you put a hashtag in Fangs Jews because you were shadow banned, if somebody types in hashtag Fangs Jews, 
Yep. Your your tweets will not appear. Yeah. For several weeks or something like that, I, I believe it is about. But well, so you you can't get anywhere. You know. Um, let's let's see where it, this is all heading, though, because it wasn't too long ago, Heathen Vegan, that over there in the UK, people were able able to have some pretty radical opinions. They were able to demonstrate. National Action was an example of this. Their banners were really in your face. It was unapologetically National Socialist. The environment has completely changed in almost no time flat. And if you even post a hate fact on social media, you can have what amounts to a SWAT team busting down your door and you going to prison. Yeah, I mean... it's really ramped up here in the UK. Uh, the, the swastika of any sort posted or, or not even just posted, not online, in the real world it happens here. Um, if you post something with swastika or anything like that, you you are flagged. Uh, ki- children are flagged at colleges, flagged for this PROTECT Act, which means that they uh, essentially it means they're vulnerable, uh, susceptible to f- extremism. They call it. I mean, you could, in a meet, you know, like a fourteen-year-old I mean, doing a meme. We're talking here. We're, I mean, they don't even understand national. They don't care. They just put it in like moon Nazis or something. Um, that's flagged by all the services. Even uh, the national health service here has to work under the Protect Act, which means that they have to flag anybody to the authorities. Not that they've committed a crime, um, just that they have shown a sign that makes them vulnerable. So anybody that's vulnerable, so some, uh, literally anybody can be vulnerable because everybody is susceptible to propaganda. That's why advertisers spend, that's why companies spend millions on advertisements. So it's all nonsense language. And I've had to deal with some of this personally um, here in the UK. It's getting ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, the, the, pla- the, the, not only on cyberspace, but also in the real world, especially here in the UK, that the battleground has completely changed. We are being silenced, but now they want to make it out like it's silencing um, Alex Jones, right, Infowars. But something I wanted to bring up about a point you made that it's only uh, right. When I was posting a lot of pro-Palestinian stuff many, many years ago, um, I mean many years ago, probably way over 10 now, I used to get banned from Facebook regularly. As soon as you cross that line, like you were saying earlier, as soon as I started pointing the finger at Israel, as soon as I started really, really going for them, I'd be banned. Uh, and, and not only banned, I couldn't get, once I was banned, I could not get back on. I could not make another account. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything. And there was no reason for my ban. There was no email when I contacted them. There was no response. There was just nothing. Yeah. I mean, it was a strange ban. Oh, yeah, they've been doing this for years, and it's it's come out officially that essentially Facebook complies with something like 99% of all Israeli government requests for content takedown. Mm-hmm. You think they're, uh, <laughs> they're they're doing anything, anything of the sort with the Palestinians? No, the Israelis say the most vile things about the Palestinians, celebrate their slaughter yeah. on Facebook. It's a, they said it to me. I mean, in private, they, they when I used to do that kind of activism, you get private mails from uh, Jewish people, and the things that they would say in there, the threats, uh, the, their language was, at, and they'd always start off nicely, nicely to try and go, "You're just wrong. You're a bit confused. Here's the truth." When you like stood up to them and said, "Hey, man, this is bullshit," and then explained why, they became the most vile creatures imaginable. I mean. It's what got me more into understanding that it's not just Israel. It's more of a, a racial problem. Yeah, you get me? And, and, These and, people were vile, sick. No, it is a racial problem. It's so obvious when you're looking at Silicon <coughs> Valley, when you're looking at these the biggest tech companies, that they are owned and operated by Jews. Jews just uh, infest them. And same thing with the New York Times. Besides this Asian editor, I mean, like, look at the New York yeah. Times. It, it's not called the Jew York Times for nothing. They're, they're so vastly overrepresented. But you look at any of the big media corporations or any of the tech giants, you're going to see the, that same thing taking place. And they don't want us pointing that out. That's one of those hate facts. If you have that, the yeah. big old charts with, with pictures of just how many Jews are just running everything that it... 
uh, all these news outlets, which tell us that Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, an amazing place. Some of them might have a little bit more critical of a slant once in a while, but <laughs> Israel is only defending itself. And and then yeah. on the other side, they condemn... Having a barbecue while they bomb them. Yeah. I mean, just it's just normal behavior, right? Oh, yeah. look, they're bombing Palestinians. Let's just have a barbecue and a bit of a party outside on the patio and watch it. Then they condemn... The in our countries, these Jews condemn us for being the most vile thing ever, for not for not going along with all of their schemes to completely genocide us. If we don't go along with the white genocide agenda, they just label, they launch all these smears against us or ignore us completely when we're trying to get a message out there. And they uh, are Jewish. Now, here's the thing. Alex Jones blame, blamed, despite all of this over-representation, blamed the Chinese, the communist Chinese, for all of this, for him getting banned. I don't know that there is a, an equivalent of a Chinese anti-Chinese defamation league uh, that is in in the United States operating. Okay. Now, uh, here's the thing: China has bought up a lot of different companies and land here in the United States. I don't know how much they've done it over there in the UK, but China has made a big move. A huge, I mean, a massive percentage of our. Uh, products here in the United States come from China. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge relationship that has been developed by our political elite over the years, which has ended up screwing us in many big, big ways. But uh, what I'm getting at is that all, you do have collaboration with China. He's not completely wrong because yeah. you have these big companies. Uh, even back when I was recruiting for Google, they had they had worked with the Chinese government on a search engine that was censored back then. I wasn't supposed to talk about that or answer any kind of questions about that when I when I was interviewing people for tech jobs when I was working for them. And yeah. I wasn't supposed to mention that at all. They stopped that relationship mainly because they weren't making any money. But they began it again recently. And you've got Facebook having operations. Over, all of the tech giants will want a piece of that pie. And they don't so much care about Americans uh, anymore. I think. I think that they'd like to get away from if they, especially if they see what's coming for America and what their kinsmen have uh, planned for the American people and and white people in general. They're kind of divesting from it in some ways. So they they are interested in developing good relations with these countries, and those countries could be dictating what is seen about them. China could be dictating what is seen about China. Uh, not just in China, but also here in our countries as well. We don't know yeah. what kind of uh, deals they have made. However, however, if there, if we have been, I mean, we have been sold out to the Chinese, okay? But it was mm-hmm. Jews who did it. And those Chinese, a lot of them, since even beyond the uh, Bolshevization of their country, b- before the communist takeover, Jews have been having their way with China. The the days of oh, yeah. the, the Sassoon opium trade, I mean, they never really lost control, in my opinion. They only strengthened control. So this is still a Jewish operation when you really look at who's pulling the strings of the Red Dragon. And it's... Uh, it's a very, very misleading to your audience when there's an obvious co- co- conspiracy that's out there in the open. The ADL is saying we're working with the, all these companies and hate algorithms and making sure that we anybody we say is a hater get, gets kicked off. They're, they're embedded within these companies to then come in and say it's the Chinese. I know. Is that because Mark Zuckerberg's got an Asian wife? Is she Chinese? I mean, it does. It, that kind of does represent the future overclass that well, they, ha- they have in store for us in this technological sector. This is an sector. old theory. I mean, uh, what they're playing into is, I mean, maybe even 15 years ago I first heard of it, and I think it was around then. That they were, and then it was more like uh, the New World Order, right? They're going to move their, their main production, their main center to the Asia. That was something that was pushed around quite a lot back uh, over a decade ago. Um, and the New World Order, we know who they are. So th- there was a lot of investments over there we saw, and we saw a lot of this with China buying up. Like I said, when I lived in California, I'm pretty sure they've got a big port there. Tons of stuff was coming into California ports from China um, to sell. 
and they were buying up land all over California and the rest of America. It's not so much happening in the UK, I don't believe, but we don't get the same kind of news here as you do. There's not very many alternative uh, uh, outlets in the UK that cover such a wide range of topics like Renegade or anything like that. Nowhere near anything close. But And we don't even have that. We don't really even have like uh, Alex Jones alternatives. We pretty much have mainstream media, uh, which is BBC state-owned media. Well, Heather Vegan, but, um, now that we hit the 30-minute yeah. mark, is there anything else you want to say about this whole censorship campaign? Because there was some other material <coughs> I wanted to get into completely, mm-hmm. completely shift gears and talk yeah, about there something was just, more interesting. Uh, a, a few uh, things I wanted to say about Red Eyes video. That you yeah, said, please. Because that quite, quite uh, – obviously there was the, the – I mean, what was that filter he was using? Did you? How white could he be? I mean, I mean, he like whitened himself out so he was glowing. I mean, he must have looked <laughs> like shit to use a filter that bad. That's one of the things. Did you notice that? How- what's, what's funny is that uh, remember Alex Jones basically worshiping. You know, he's doing this big skit where he's worshiping Hillary Clinton because CNN had, mm-hmm. had made her glow like she was an angel. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous how they portrayed her. And yeah, then he ripped off his shirt and the base black guy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Red Ice, what they do with their videos, I think a lot of it is, it seems sketchy. It seems a little bit like mind control with all the glitchiness and the quick yeah. cuts and everything. It's very unsettling to me. I, I do not like it. That is not my style. But I see a lot of places using it. InfoWars and Red Ice look like they have yeah. the same the same people doing their, their intro. Yeah, actually. Yeah, they're very similar. But this was just him standing there. It was like he must have looked like absolute shit, and they've had to, like, you know, the white filters that people use on selfies or something. Yeah, maybe the blonde but, um, butter maker hasn't, hasn't been good in his <laughs> meals. Uh, no, but, uh, and also the T-shirt. Yeah. I wanted to, because you pointed that out in the email, uh, I got Carl to do some uh, artwork for me, and it was a bore. And we mentioned this before, but he was wearing that T-shirt on this video with this, uh, it's a Pictish bore from the Pictish Stones. And uh, it's the words underneath unsettle me. The future is the past. The way it's phrased makes me think that the future's gone. There is no future. Um, I don't know how, what you think of that phrase. I mean, I don't like. I, it. I get what they're trying to say, but it doesn't come across that way when you first read it. Yeah, um, I don't like it yeah, at it was, all. No, it, I don't. It's very, very future, reactionary uh, and, and conservative. Like, we just want to go to back to the past. You know, yeah, let's, but let's I, let's I, rewind it. Say that to me. I know, I know, but I'm saying even... I, I see, I yeah. see that kind of sentiment amongst a lot of these peoples. Mm-hmm. We just need to re- rewind it, you know, 50 years. We need to be back somewhere in the. Well, uh, they love the 50s. You know, a lot of these patriarchy people, they think the 50s. And I will add with that, they're using a Pictish ball. Nobody knows what happens to the Picts. They literally disappeared off the face of the earth. So, the future is the Pictish past is not a very good one. <laughs> just uh, point that out. Yeah. Well, are you ready to, to talk a little bit <laughs> yeah, more about yeah. the past? We'll go on to Yeah. Yeah, well, this is a, just a subject that, I mean, we've we've covered a lot here, you and I. It's something that I find very fascinating and that, I mean, if I didn't have to be dealing with the current reality of all the politics and the alternative media and and just the genocide that is being waged against us, I'd want to be studying this subject very, very in-depth because it's just a treasure trove. Digging through the earth, you might find some things from the past. Digging through our myths, the genetic memory even, just getting in touch with the ancestors – which was actually mentioned by Alex Jones. I played that on the on my show, but I haven't caught that. Yet, yeah, I'm well, looking you, forward to it. You have to hear that when he's talking about Valhalla to the next level as well. But <laughs> what some of the material I've been coming across recently is it's very compelling, uh, not in its entirety, but in some of its key points, which put forth the argument that the pre-humans that are shown to mm-hmm. us, all of them pretty much, are very, very distinct from us. Their bone yeah. mass, their strength, their skull, their skull shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the the eye sockets. It There is, I don't think there's even a possible missing link. But they, what happened is they had to invent that because they have no other explanation. So 
they have this intermediary between us and what look like upright primitive primates who could beat the crap out of us if we weren't so smart and didn't use tools effectively. I mean, these people, these would have been very, I even call them people. These would have been very, very strong apes. They would have been pretty advanced as well. I don't know how much they would have been able to speak. We know that gorillas and all primates really cannot modulate their voice in the way that allows for us to speak. And they can't hold their breath uh, for long periods underwater and babies, especially babies, babies, human babies can do that, which points to perhaps a semi-aqueous origin for our people as well. And, and also the aquatic ape theory that is put, has been put forth. I mean, maybe that's, that's why the human became so different was it split off from all these others in a, an aqueous or semi-aqueous environment was waiting around. Uh, but all, all of that kind of aside, what do you think about this? Do you think that these pre-humans that are shown to us really don't have any direct relationship to us? Or uh, And also, I mean, this is a huge question, a big can of worms. And also, I mean, is it that those so-called pre-humans didn't have natural evolutionary forces uh, put upon them, but rather were interfered with, genetically engineered, as the kind of Sitchin story, Sumerian uh, interpretation goes? Well... The, the missing link thing first. I mean, none of the missing links, just to put it out there, most people know this, actually are missing links. It's like they have zero human bones. Uh, so, you know, you'd expect a missing link to have something human and something ape-like if it's a cross between, but they don't. I mean, uh, I think you mentioned Lloyd, Lloyd Pye uh, before on the show anyway. Yeah. Um, and he does one of his very old presentations is very good at explaining how some a lot of the myths involved in these missing links. Um, and it seems to me, if you look at a lot of the missing links, they do work with some of the African peoples. Now, I'm not trying to degrade anyone here, but they have higher torque, right? So they've got a bigger bones; they can they can lift more. Um, the cranial structure is the obvious yeah. one with the jaw that protrudes and the forehead that slo- slopes back. Yeah, and, and they would fit into the theory because some of these missing links were told with evolution, uh, theory of evolution, that you know everything takes millions of millions of years. Right? Whenever you read anything, oh, millions and millions of years, they change from this to that. Well, you haven't got that with these missing links. They're, they're not that old. <laughs> you can have some of them 200,000, 300,000 years ago, but then the change is drastic. To, to a modern human. Well, most people don't realize because you get all this out of Africa theory that the, the Negroid race is the youngest. It's exceptionally young, even, even by admitted standards. Um, about Some people even postulate about 8,000 years old. It's, it's very new, okay? It's a very new, new grouping, uh, the Negroid skull type. Um, so it could work with that, but... Did did Semites so, who considered themselves gods fall to the earth and <laughs> and mate with the the females, which would be the African women? Is that I mean uh, that that could be? I mean, is it talking about sexual copulation? Is it talking about genetic engineering? It seems like hybridization is a part of the past, at least for some of the races in this world. It, yeah, and perhaps and perhaps are. All as well. I mean, even the Nordic stories talk about how men were a creation of a, basically a hybrid when Heimdall came down as Rig and mm-hmm. gave birth to the three caste systems by his divine self sleeping with three different couples. Now, yeah. did, were they were they having threesomes? I I don't think so. I think this story is talking about something different, a kind of divine conception akin to what the Christians would like to claim, because they don't think that Yahweh came down and, and was actually in bed hooking up with Joseph and Mary. That's not how they see it, and I don't think that's how we should see the story of Heimdall either. But it does. it, it looks like uh, the history of people on this earth is a very interesting one that has been very much oversimplified, and we're, we're made to not even question oh, yeah. it because... Well, uh, we have it all solved. You know, we, we're still looking for that that missing link 
but other than that, I mean, everything fits nice, square, nicely, squarely into the grand unifying theory, as they call it, the gut of biology, which is evolution. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just to just to pick up on the Heimdall story a bit, I've had many a debates with like uh, pagans, uh, anti-racist pagans, and you bring that story up and they get completely dumbfounded because obviously the higher caste is is completely white, whereas the lower caste is brown. <laughs> Uh, and there's no there's no way you can interpret the story any differently to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I looked into this a lot before, and you get a lot. There's a lot of confusing information with this because obviously you have the stitching types uh, and, and all. I mean, you had all this. Remember the Nibiru stuff and uh, oh yeah, the, the Sumerians. That I read a lot of that Sumerian work. Not obviously in Sumerian. I do not. I do not. Uh, I cannot read Sumerian. But um, I read a lot of the transliterations um, that were coming out of a lot of the universities, unedited, unmessed with, just in raw form. And um, I could find some stuff, but half the stuff he was saying, I couldn't read it there. There was some really interesting stuff, don't get me wrong, but what what he was sounding was was like other people just coming in. They, they talked about boats, which they interpreted as, as spaceships. spaceships. Yeah. I mean, there was an interesting story about a temple, um, that rose up like a mountain that was made out of uh, silver and lapis, which is like a blue blue material that you talk to to get in, um, and the walls talk to you. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds I mean. like what the ancient Aryans of India were talking about within mm-hmm. w- within their stories, flying ships. But that doesn't necessarily necessarily imply that they came from another planet in in space. No, it, it, that it, oh no, and so interpreting gods as being these kind of overlord aliens, I think could be a little bit erroneous, but that that's the story that's being put out by Mm -hmm. kind of modern mythology of people like Ridley Scott with Prometheus, this movie that came out, which is part of the alien series, but deals with human origins where humans were basically made from their genetic structure, but to be smaller, weaker, inferior than these godlike engineers who lived on a different planet and were going to destroy us because we were no longer useful or we were dangerous or something. Yeah, and I think uh, the language, uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I I I ended up watching a lot of these Prometheus videos. They got uh, recommended to me. I don't know if somebody else that I follow was watching them or something, but there was one where they were saying that the actual language that they're using is based on the Proto-Indo-European. Um, Interesting. You know the like, yeah. They based it on the the proto in the European, I believe. Anyway, but someone might correct me on that, <coughs> which I thought was very interesting because obviously they're white. I mean, they're whiter than white. These guys are. Well, with with Sumerian, it, that's where we get the supposedly the earliest system of writing. I, I highly actually doubt that. I'm sure there is much. There evidence. are there are there are a few of a yeah. so, uh, tablets out there. Mm-hmm. That this um. This cuneiform, the cuneiform script, and Sitchin was basically in there as the sole voice interpreting it. Yes. And I just don't trust a Jew to do a good job with it. However, I haven't looked into this enough, and I, I like you, cannot read it, so I don't know what he necessarily might have misconstrued or, or intentionally misled the public about regarding the Sumerian scripts, and, and there are a lot of them. And yeah, a lot have not been translated either. When I was looking into this, because I got into it and I was trying to find out what Sitchin was saying, um, I couldn't find it in any translations I read, not even close. I don't know what he, he must have really translated it differently. But when I, what I found out was most disturbing is about 90% of the Sumerian tablets are apparently untranslated and just hang around in the uh, libraries of uh, the British Museum, a lot of them actually. But they've never translated them. They got better things uh, to I do. Know. Let's let's study how to better get whites and dark people to mix it with each other. Yeah, let's do some cultural studies at the museum, <laughs> or, yeah. the, or that one that uh, they yeah, had that's... in France. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know it's it's, uh, it's amazed me when I read it when I realized this. I was like, so there's there's all these texts. There's lots of people that can read cuneiform. Nobody nobody's put it. Nobody's put any money into paying a man to read that to translate that. At the British Museum, this just seemed... I mean, obviously, in my belief, they have translated them, and whatever they say, they don't want us to know, uh, which would be the more accurate, I think, of that assumption, kind of like the Vatican. Have got a lot of things, and but... you, know, you know what's crazy, too, is just 
off on a tangent, what they're doing with the Viking artifacts. And who knows if it's even from the Viking era, but it's being found in Sweden because this black cultural minister says that they all need to be melted yeah. down. Because mm-hmm. there's not, it's not important. Let's just melt it down for scrap melt. Uh, come on, if they were actually serious, if any of this was about making money, same thing with the social medias we were discussing before. If this was actually about making money or just the will of the people or doing anything, uh, you know, according to what's right, you you don't just melt down artifacts that you pull up out of the ground. Anybody that would go to any white person that would go to Africa and you know pull up some some artifacts would either be smart enough to want to sell them or or to you know say we need to put this in a museum or at least hey th- this should be of interest to you guys because you know this is part of your heritage now i'm not saying there hasn't been huge amounts of looting that have gone on but it would be outrageous if there was a white cultural minister in an african country right now melting down artifacts because they're not important and now, well, the argument is is that they're running out of space to store these. But like you say, selling selling the lesser objects that you've got lots of already. Uh, I know loads of people that would be interesting buying some of these objects. They'd be have far, far more value as what they are than they could ever have as being melted down. I mean, yeah, if you were if you would have a brand new sword, it would be worth much much less than these yeah. artifacts. Oh, yeah, the, the, that's what I mean. So if you actually want to make money and actually give people part of their culture, you know, like Roman coins. We've got loads of Roman coins here in Britain. Uh, over Europe, we've got Roman coins aren't even worth that much. There's that many of them. Um, but if the British Museum wanted to get rid of them, they still have more value as a Roman coin than as a piece of scrap metal. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's absurd. But, I mean, it's all about destroying our history. And we, we've talked about this with uh, SC as well. The North is not allowed to have anything spiritually, uh, historically. We're all we're all immigrants, right? We, we, oh, there was no one here. It was all, and we're just not allowed to have anything at all. And it, this is the same as for me. It's the same as questioning the Holocaust in the sense of you're not allowed to question it. You're not allowed to look there. And that same as with the Holocaust is what raises big red flags with me. You're not allowed to have any of this. And you was talking a little earlier about, uh, and I haven't looked into the theory of the aqua ape or whatever, but the veneration of water in the north, I've mentioned it many times, but it is uh, it is unmistakable. I mean, I watch documentaries, I watch these things on mainstream, and it's always amazing. Like, they get to this, uh, I'll be on an island, I watch this thing about they're digging up this holy island. And how far does the history go back? As soon as this program started, I know it went back to prehistory. Because I can tell by the landscape, by the fact that it's an island. Um, the very fact that it is an island means that I know people, you're going to find evidence there from back to the Neolithic, maybe even the Mesolithic, because islands and jutted out areas that are surrounded by sea or on freeways surrounded by sea or places in between rivers, you can look this, this is a standard from Mesolithic up until... The Roman age, you've got human habitation. There's special places. You've got ceremonial places. So water and living right by water. They were living in marshes on stilts in Britain. They could have lived at the edge of the marsh. No, because the, the theory is, well, it's good hunting ground. Animals come to water and all this. That all works. But you could have just exact same tactical advantage by living 200 meters that way on the edge of the water. No, they want to live on it. With the, the water passing under them, um, all of our holy places, we would build islands when we when there was more of us here. Um, so the the popul- these natural places are already taken, but there's more people. They start building islands. Uh, I forgot uh, Cranock, I believe they're called in uh, Scotland. There's some locks full of them where they've piled up stones and built literally built stilted houses into the into the locks. I mean, I mean, in some locks, there are literally hundreds of them. And they act as ceremonial plus living places. People, we don't fully understand this, but it happens through all the ages. And like I've talked about on another show, Hydrobogensis, which is a pre-human, go about millions of years, they lived in the north exactly the same. And this pre-human is actually more like a, a human than a lot of the stuff coming out of Africa. Well, you know- Although they say that the Hydrobogensis... Hyper- hyper- 
He's also uh, in Africa, but it's called Heidelberg Genesis because it was in Heidelberg, Germany, so, the first one. And the most oldest schools are found in Northern Europe. So what's, what's kind of uh, interesting, just about looking at the history, look at the fossil record, is that you kind of need the right conditions to even get a fossil. And so that just because yes. when you, you have a human appearing, what, what do they say, 120,000 years ago, something like that, that's mm-hmm. the first human fossil. Just because that's when the humans appear within the fossil record, that doesn't mean that's when humans appeared. We could have been around yeah. for a million years, but if we weren't living in the right locations for a yeah. fossil to happen, if we were living more in a jungle or aqueous environment, fossils would never occur. Uh, I forget when it is, but there, there hasn't been a, a chimpanzee fossil found that's older, you know, somewhere around the same age as, as humans, you know, maybe 200,000 years old or uh, 50, maybe even 50,000 years. I don't know what the, that number is, but I forget. The point is, is that that doesn't mean that chimps weren't around. That doesn't mean that chimps just evolved, uh, you know, kind of out of the blue. It just means that the terrain change or that the the people changed uh, terrains. Maybe they became um, more dominant. Maybe the humans were able to kick out some of these so-called pre-humans uh, from, their, from, their, from their living space because they got more intelligent, they got organized, and then they were able to get the places wherein fossils started to be produced. And that's why... And not just that. There's a big... I mean, there's big gaps in the archaeological record for skulls. Say... Uh, not in the Anglo-Saxon period, but uh, uh, the Iron Age. Iron Age Britain. If you find an Iron Age British skeleton, it's exceptionally rare. Now, that's not because there wasn't lots of people living here, but how they dealt with their dead cremation meant there was no bones. Um, so you only find them if they... So you've got not only the, the, the very, very specific conditions that a fossil can exist in, uh, but also, if our ancestors were burning their dead, they were cremating their dead, then you're not going to find their bones unless you get a very rare example where somebody got killed by a lion or something and you've got half its corpse. You know what I mean? It, and that's what we find with a Mesolithic. We, right. Most of the bones we find are in caves because the conditions are right for the bone to live, but they're not going to exist anywhere else. There could be an advancement with that because bogs actually can st- keep... Uh, bones in pretty good order um, and underwater archaeology is advancing now where we're starting to do more archaeology underneath the water um, and we might find a lot more bones especially from eras that we didn't normally find them the mesolithic right and, um, especially with places like dogland sorry Ken. yeah and just one of the ways that you might get a fossil is if something got carried away in a flash flood it does often relate mm-hmm. to water and the, the preservation you know how how the body was it's the mud. The mud. Uh, yeah. If the mud goes over it fast enough, uh, like a silt layer goes over it f- at a fast enough pace, it will seal it in, stop the oxygen right. from uh, feeding the bacteria, basically, that would, just, that would destroy the bones. Now, but here's, that's underwater archaeology. We don't have a whole lot of time. We don't have a whole lot of time left here in the nope. first. Hour. I don't know if you want to continue on, but I do have to check out at the hour mark. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Are you going to continue on? Or are we just going to? Well, uh, if somebody wants to call in and talk to me about something. They can do, and I'm happy to. But I've got no notes or anything. Yeah. So, so let's let's just end, let's end it at the hour, and let's get into right. let's open up a huge can of worms for, here right for the end. <laughs> okay, so this is something that has fascinated me. We're talking about fossil records. Well, we don't have any fossils of let's say Sasquatch necessarily Bigfoot, and this yep. is one of the old conspiracy theories. And people, oh, you just believe in Bigfoot out there? Okay, okay, there are footprints that have been made of a huge hominoid and other kinds of hominoids, and many, many sightings of people who are not trying to hoax. It's very obvious. Now, it is easy to tell for a lot of these people who have seen these fossils, it's very easy to tell. They know what a real, or have seen these footprints that then they can mm-hmm. capture. They know what is real and what is not, and fake Bigfoot feet are just so obvious, and real footprints of a massive hominoid are also quite obvious. So it looks like They've lied to us, perhaps knowingly, about those so-called pre-humans and what happened to them. They might not have gone extinct or become us. They might have gone on to become things like the uh, – what I think there's even supposedly a Florida swamp ape. There is the Sasquatch, the Bigfoot. There is the Yeti. And there are a few other mm-hmm. kinds of hominoids who have been 
uh, have, rec- rec- have been recorded roaming this earth f- throughout human history. But because, yes. I mean, there are massive tracts of lands where humans don't even go. It seems like they mm-hmm. live in these places and might come out at night. Now, am I coming out and saying I, I definitely believe in, in so-called Bigfoot? I don't know. I've had dreams about Bigfoot, which were very, very – it was strange. But um, I, it, it seems to add up when I see some of, of the, the evidence that this could be the case, that there are hominoids and that they descend from more, much more directly from the so-called pre-humans than us. Yeah, it's highly possible. I mean, I mean, even in America alone, if you look at – I mean, you look at the size of some of those uh, woodland areas, forests – they're absolutely huge people there's nobody going into the middle of those and it, and this is the same across the world like the place of tibet with the himalayas where obviously yeti i mean i watched a documentary years ago where these guys went out there and they they put up some food tried to catch animals and obviously they caught not catch but capture on camera now they're tripwires now something came along and took the food that that didn't set off the tripwires and when they examined hair samples that they had from around they found two hair samples. One was of an unknown bear. So there's a bear, something the size of a bear, this is fact, in in these massive wooded areas, but the bottom of the Himalayas, um, that nobody's ever known about before. But it's definitely a bear because of the genetic uh, evidence in it. And another hair that had no sequence in it. They couldn't work it out at all. Well, that's what they said. But um, And that was a mainstream documentary on TV. So there was a bear, something the size of a bear, walking around that no one's ever seen before. So if there's something the size of a bear... Um, there's possibly something the size, a human size at least, right? It could easily exist. And being smarter, this this thing didn't go over the tripwires, didn't trigger them. So it was smart enough to know that there was there was something going on, and there was a wire there they did not want to trip. Mm-hmm. So I mean, well, new it's species, a lot of speculative yeah. thought, but like you say, I mean, could they have evolved into something? Could these pre-human? They look like them from the descriptions, right? Yeah, we're naked apes. So maybe we went mm-hmm. through an aquatic phase. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was, uh, well, it was Anki Ia with his genetic engineer. Who, who knows? I, who knows? I think that something. If we came from from those so-called prehumans, something drastic must have happened to get us from forty-eight chromosomes down to forty-six, and with a completely different skull shape, brain, everything. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've run out of time. Hey, thanks so much, Hey the Vegan. I know the audience by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at heathenherbs.com.
Mari Epa.